Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias, and in this episode, we're going overseas, and I'm speaking with Dr. Simon Chard. I think people fall into the trap with Instagram dentistry where they try to just replicate what they've seen has been successful with other individuals, and then all that happens is that everyone just starts looking the same, and it just gets very, very dull and boring. I think the more you can be yourself and unique to you and your own values and your own personality, the, the more you'll cut through. So I think by following those two things of thinking about what value you're providing to the consumer and to the viewer, and also just being true to who you are as an individual, that's the way that really you should be thinking about content. And then you just need to be doing it at scale. Simon, I'm looking at his Instagram right now. I mean, he's a fantastic, wonderful guy. He's Dentistry's Person of the Year for 2022 on the front cover. He's president of the British Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He's also founder of Parla Toothpaste, and he's also a co-owner of Rothley Lodge Dental. So he's doing a lot. And, and one thing is Parla, it's featured on Dragon's Den, and that's like a shark tank. Uh, I guess in uh, London or the UK, but it's pretty cool. I'm going to put a link in the show notes below. You guys can watch it. But a couple of my key takeaways in this episode was one, it's not about what you want to post on social media. It's about what your viewers want. Number two, getting outside your comfort zone is the only way to grow. Keep this in mind when second guessing that next step. And that's super important. And real quick, going back to the first one, we dive deeper on social media because that's where a lot of his new patients come from. He currently has 27,000 followers on his, uh, I guess, doctor's page, right? Because he's a cosmetic dentist. So he lets us know how he grew that and how he's currently attracting new patients just with Instagram. Um, but anyways, back to the third step. He talks about how success is never earned through constant succeeding. It is always achieved through failure instead. So failure is an important part of the process, guys. Next one is, if you're enjoying the journey along the way, then embrace your hard work and ambition. And I guess that sometimes involves us to stop and smell the roses, right? Like we hear that all the time, but we really do have to stop. And even in the lows, uh, it's part of the journey, right? So we dive deeper on that. He also talks about if your only driving factor is financial, the passion will eventually fade. So be sure to work towards your other fulfilling values and goals. And then one of my final takeaways was there is a season of life where saying yes to all opportunities can help you grow your network. Don't forget about the season of saying no to opportunities to prioritize your values, though. And we dive a lot deeper onto mental health, too, as well, which is super important. Um, and I know a lot of you guys are really, really interested in, in knowing deeper about that. So hear how Simon handles with uh, burnout, also handles with getting away and things like that. I mean, he's he's doing a lot. Like I said, he's the president of British Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He's the co-owner of Rothley Lodge Dental Practice. He's featured in British GQ, The Times, and Men's Health Magazine. And he's co-owner of Parla, which was featured on Dragons. And he's doing a lot. And he's probably going to be doing more. <laughs> so learn uh, from this episode if you can and reach out to him. Feel free to reach out to him. But guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Simon Chard. Simon, how's it going? Very well, mate. Thanks for having me. No, man. Thank you for being on. We truly appreciate it. If you don't mind me asking, where are you located? I live in Surrey, so just south of London in the, in the suburbs. Okay. Did you grow up there or no? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've grown up in this area. So it's, it's a nice place to live. It's sort of countryside-y, but it's about a half an hour commute into the centre of London. So it's a nice mix of the, the, the busyness of the city alongside some nice outdoor lifestyle. Nice. If you don't mind me also asking, like, you're, where you're at right now, is that your home or is that your practice? Yeah, it's my home. It's my, my uh, dining room. Nice, man. <laughs> he's in a mansion. This is it. This is the West Wing of his. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you on, Simon. If you can tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll start at the beginning, I guess. So I'm, I'm from a, a family of dentists. Both my parents are dentists. My parents bought their clinic together six months before I was born. That's the same practice that my wife, Megan, and I bought from them back in 2017. So there's a sort of generational lineage of dentists there. I always joked that there was a, a mirror and probe in the cutlery drawer when we were growing up. So it's yeah, sort of in the blood. So that was my past. I actually went and did a different degree before going into dentistry. So I did a, a degree in pharmacology, so in drugs first, and then did my training at Queen's College London in dentistry. And then basically, as soon as I found dentistry, I found my passion. I found what I feel like I was meant to do. And never look back. From that point, I was very lucky at King's to have a, a variety of fantastic professors who sort of pushed you to compete, even from an undergraduate to the student level. And that meant that by the time I qualified as a dentist, I already had a pretty solid CV, pretty solid sort of background of awards and prizes and experience, which meant that I could sort of hit the ground running when I qualified. Oh, man. And then you already had your own practice. And then right now, I know you got your hands in a lot of things. Also, follow Kyle. He's been on the podcast before Stanley, right? Talking about Pearl and everything. And so I saw you and I was like, they're out here doing a lot of moves, man. Like, so what do you got going on right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a busy, busy year. So yeah, obviously I run my own practice. It's a seven surgery practice with about 30 staff members now. So that's going very well. That's growing, growing rapidly, primarily driven just through sort of organic social media and organic word of mouth. Not a lot of paid ads currently. I'm the president of the British Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. So that's the, the biggest academy of dentists in the UK, similar obviously to the AACD in the US. Uh, so I'm the youngest ever president of that academy. And I also own a, uh, a co-own a, a plastic-free next generation oral care brand called Parlor, which is in all the major supermarkets and, and stores across the UK. Yeah, it's doing very well. And we've got a whole whole team running that alongside it. And then recently, this last month, I won and I was yeah, voted uh, the dentist who's had the most impact in dentistry in the UK in 2022 by Dentistry Magazine. So that was quite a nice award to win as well. Yeah. How does that work? Do you, I guess, like submit or they just like randomly pick it and you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm it. You just see your face on the <laughs> thing or like... Well, it, it, it wasn't even a... It's the first time they've done it. They based it off the sort of Time Magazine Person of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it didn't exist, there was nothing to apply for. They, as a, as a committee of sort of industry experts, came together and, and analyzed all of the high-profile individuals in the market. And very fortunately and that, very grateful to say that they, they chose me, which is, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, running all these things sounds... Cool. And, it, and oftentimes it is really cool because you get to win awards like that. And we've had some amazing experiences with, uh, with Parler. Like we were on the 
Dragon's Den, which is Shark Tank in the UK. So we were on national TV with that. So it has its amazing sort of really peaking, exciting moments, but it's also a lot of stress and spinning the plates and sometimes all go a bit crazy, especially as I've got two young kids as well. Throw that in the mix and it all gets a little bit saucy sometimes. Oh, man. So you got a family too. Real quick, Simon, how old are you? I'm 36. Okay, man. Yeah, you got a lot of... You know what I mean? Like everything going on. We'll dive into that in a little bit uh, later on in the episode. But if we could rewind a little bit, you did a degree in pharmacology. Why did you go that route initially? Strangely enough, I think I I listened to my peers at school and there was this one kid who said, oh, you don't want to do what your parents did, that that's really lame. For some reason that stuck in my head. So I just always discounted dentistry or something I wanted to do. And then actually when I got to my first university, to study in pharmacology, coincidentally, my, my roommate was training to be a dentist. And I saw the community that he had and the practicality of being able to use your hands alongside science, which I've, I've always been sort of fairly good at. I sort of saw in that first term at university that really dentistry is what I should be doing. Thankfully, in the UK, you can complete your degree and then miss out the first year of dental school because a lot of it's just sort of basic science. And so basically I did a fast track into dentistry from there, which, which worked out really well. And basically I did a lot of my partying in the first degree and then really got my head down and got to work on my dental degree, which for me worked, worked really well. Yeah. Okay, nice. So it's interesting. You, did your parents by any chance say like, nah, Simon, like, I don't care what your friend said. Like, trust me, we, this is a good setup right here or something or, or were they, yeah, do what you want? No, they were chill. I mean, they, they, they never wanted to push me or my, my siblings into anything we didn't want to do. So from that point of view, um, they, they sort of let me make my own decision. I also think, to be honest, that I, uh, if I had gone to dentistry at that first degree level, my grades probably wouldn't have been good enough. I, didn't, I wasn't particularly ambitious or academically talented at school because I didn't really have any, any focus or any drives. And actually it was, it was when I started at dental school, that was the first time that I really sort of felt that I found my groove and, and I actually started excelling and yeah, won all these awards and came top clinically in the year. And so I'm not a sort of serial, a serially successful, I wasn't to that stage a seriously successful individual, whereas now sort of I'm like the ambitious and, and driven, which is, yeah, very different to who I was as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like that's, um, once you found, right, this is what I want to do. You went all in, right. And became ambitious. So kind of like right now you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm finding things that I want to do and I'm going all in. Right. And it's, it's making you, what's the downside of that? If, if you can let us know, like, Hey man, it's great to go all in, but then this could happen if there is a downside. Yeah, no, there's definitely a downside. I mean, I'm, Funnily enough, my wife and I were talking about this on the phone as, as I was driving home from work that I just, I, I can't switch off. So there's always the next idea, the next business opportunity, the next product that I'm creating with Parler, the next thing I want to do to grow the practice. It's a constant state of progression and flux. And my view on that is as long as you're enjoying the journey, then keep on driving and be as ambitious and shoot for the stars as, as big as you want to go. If you're grinding it out and hating the journey, then sometimes enough is enough. And you, you actually, you need to be grateful whilst being ambitious. And I think it's finding that balance between gratitude and ambition that's quite difficult for sort of type A driven entrepreneurial individuals. 
But I think for the for the younger clinicians listening, I have this. I, I I don't think I made this up. I think I had it somewhere. But let's just say for this for this call, I made it up. Was that I said yes to everything in my twenties and said no to everything in my thirties. And for me, that worked quite well because when I first qualified, I said yes to every opportunity that was presented to me, whether it be a speaking gig, doing lecturing, going to an event where I didn't know anyone. It was really awkward. And I really didn't want to be there because I wasn't a naturally sociable individual at that stage. Whatever it was, I just said, yes, 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 yes. And what that meant was I just created this incredible network. I met so many people, many of whom became future mentors or future employers because I worked in in multiple different practices before coming in full-time to my own clinic. And so by saying yes to everything, I got this incredibly broad experience. However, if you let that go on forever, then it becomes unmanageable and, and you burn out, especially when you have kids. So in my 30s, I've now tailored it right in and I'm very, very selective with what I say yes to. But I can only do that because I've got the, I've built it from that solid foundation of a network of guys from industry, as well as sort of high profile dentists and, and people sort of who are the movers and shakers of, of our industry, I guess. Okay, okay. So you mentioned a lot about the journey, right? You got to enjoy the journey. Um, make sure you, you love it. How do you know, Simon, when you're just in a road bump in the journey and you're like, oh my God, this is a headache. I hate this. Or how do you know it's like, I'm not enjoying it anymore at this point? Mm, that's a difficult question. I mean, I, I, I think you've got to know why you're doing things and what your ambition really is. If you're just doing it for money, for example, then that will fade and you will, it will, you will lose your passion for it. If the only passion there is the financial recompensation, then I think it's very easy to get jaded and to lose, to lose that drive. Uh, it's a personal thing at the end of the day. I mean, some people love dentistry. Some people hate dentistry. Every job has its pros and cons. And I think we're very fortunate to actually do something that is genuinely meaningful for our patients and that we get a lot of satisfaction from. But Clearly, it has a lot of a lot of negatives as well because there's still such a massive issue with mental health within the profession. So I think it's really important that that people don't just keep on driving because they think they should love it. Maybe taking some time away so as the create a bit of open headspace and then coming back to it and seeing if you actually want to go back or if you want to move away from it. Hmm. I like that creating open that space, right? Like, have you had to do that where you're like, oh man, I need to take some time sit here and really think like, am I going to drop this or am I going to keep this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I, the beauty of dentistry is that you can uh, toggle up and toggle down the number of days that you're working quite easily. So I've done that clinically. I only work three days a week clinically now. The other two days I'm working on sort of more entrepreneurial endeavors. And so I've found a, a lovely balance. Certainly, if I was still working six days a week clinically now, I don't think I would be enjoying my job half as much as I am doing now. And even saying that, sometimes it goes too far. I'm, I've got inbound emails coming in all the time. And if I'm in a three-hour surgery placing implants, I'll come out and have 30 emails in my inbox. That's quite stressful, <laughs> quite difficult to manage. So I think it's important to create space. The way I manage that is I, as I try to travel as much as I can do. I try and block out times in my every month where I'm just going to be at home. I'm not going to be doing any social stuff. Um, I'm just going to be chilling with my family. And then around every six to eight weeks, I'll make sure that I'm going away somewhere to travel, try to do a sort of 
as much of a digital detox as I can do. I'm obviously fairly active on social media. It's how I've built up a lot of my profile and that's how I still get a lot of my patients. But social media can be obviously a dopamine overload and, and very much all consuming if you don't know how to control it. So switching that off, controlling that so it doesn't control you, I think all those things are super important. Where was the point in your life where you realized you had to do that? Where you're like, man, this is it. I need a something, right? Something different. Sometimes it can happen where it's like, you're like you said, you're talking with your, your spouse, right? And then the F, they're like, man, you're always doing this. You're, you're on social media, you're doing this. And then you realize like, I need that dopamine. In the morning, I'm waking up. At night, I'm going to sleep. I need to check it in the restroom, you know, all this stuff. So it's kind of like, when did you realize I'm going down the wrong, wrong path here? I think, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know if I've really cracked that yet, to be honest. I think I still have that dopamine addiction. And I think I just constantly want to be moving forward. And when you have the capability to look at your Shopify account on your direct consumer business to see how many sales you've had, look at your emails to see if you've landed that new retailer listing, look at your Invisalign, like a doctor's site to plan your cases, like this. There's so much now that you can do all the time remotely. I think certainly for the last five years where I've been running the startup, being on the board of the BACD and running my own practice, during that whole time, I've really tried to, to control that inbound. And for example, I've not gone on TikTok intentionally because I just don't want any more, any more things to check. And I know because I'm, I'm fully, I'm sort of all over the latest things in social media and I can see the monumental power of TikTok and I'm not saying that other people shouldn't go on it, but I've grown my business on Instagram. It's been very successful for me, but I've kind of take, pulled back a bit from where I was in that. Like five, five years ago, I would be posting every single day, grid post, grid post, grid post, stories, every, like just going like really hard on it. Whereas now I think I feel like I've I've got to a certain level of achievement, so I don't need to continuously prove myself. And so I've tried to pull back from it a bit more than I have done previously and really focus on just delivering sort of a few nuggets here and there in essence. Hmm, I like that. Where does that come from where you feel like you need to continuously or what you felt like you had to prove yourself? I don't know, to be honest. I think I've, I think I've been like that since, since dental school. I think... I mean, I have, like anyone, had a reasonable amount of trauma in my childhood. My sister had cancer when she was seven, which was a major sort of seminal moment in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in hers, thankfully she survived and, and is, is healthy and well and has, has two kids of her own now. But she was in hospital for six months. It was, it was a serious incident for the whole family. And I think for me, age nine at that time, Obviously, I had, in essence, lost my parents as they were sort of looking after my sister. I think that there's probably some, there's probably some internal sort of desire to be seen if I'm going to heavily therapize myself to the max here. But um, no, I think at the end of the day, I mean, entrepreneurialism and, and business is a passion of mine. And so I want to be as successful as I can do, as I can be. And uh, that's where I sort of derive my satisfaction from, from being a man and, and working in our industry, really. Yeah. Man, that's, sorry about your sister, man. Like, that's really um, light bulb, a, a light bulb moment. You know what I mean? For, I think, myself or a lot of us, like, in essence, 
when the parents' attention goes, you know what I mean? To like a one full kid. I never thought about that, Simon, until you mentioned it. Like, you kind of do lose a bit of your, you know what I mean? Like your, the attention, not a little bit, a lot of bit of your, the attention from your parents. And, and that does stem where you're like, I need to, I need to work harder now for their attention. Yeah. And so you feel like that's where it kind of, from that point on, and still, and then obviously magnified way more in dental school. I'm sure, I'm sure it's played a part, but I mean, I think the thing is with success, when you, when you taste a bit of success, you want that success again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I won best young dentist in the country in 2015, and that was an amazing award to win. But then I was like, right, that it's like gold medal syndrome, isn't it? It's just, you, you, you get that big peak of dopamine and then you have the reverse crash the same way. And then you want to go again to get up to that same level. Um, and that's why I say it's so important that you're enjoying the journey because if you're only striving for that one moment of success, it's so fleeting that actually it's, it's probably not worth it. Whereas if you're enjoying the journey along the way, as I do with entrepreneurship, I mean, building a brand, building a profile, building businesses, that's just play for me. That's fun. And so I don't look at that as being like, oh God, I've got to listen to this podcast or I've got to come on this podcast with Michael tonight. I, I just look at that as fun because I like to, I like to meet new people. I like to talk about experiences and, and all the, the various components that make up running a business in, in 2023. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I appreciate that. When it comes to the moments of success that you were talking about, what would you feel so far is not worth it when it comes to striving for? And maybe you see it on social media where people are like, yeah, you got to do your own startup. You're going to love it. And maybe you want to let them know like, no, not, not everybody's meant for this or not everybody's meant for that kind of thing. I mean, I definitely agree that not everyone's meant to be a startup entrepreneur. It's incredibly hard, especially building a, I think you call them CPG brands in the US, right? We call them FMCG, but consumer packaged goods like Parler, like toothpaste. It's such a competitive market and you're constantly fighting uphill. You're fighting against the biggest brands in the world. Unilever and Procter & Gamble and Colgate. These guys have got some serious money behind them. And so you constantly feel like you're running up an uphill treadmill. And the goalposts are always changing, especially doing it through a pandemic and, and now going into a recession. So it is, it is a roller coaster of emotion. I think if you don't have a solid support structure around you, then it's not surprising to see so many startup founders have mental health issues. I couldn't not do it. Like I just have this fire inside me where I, I can't not execute on my ideas. And I have a million ideas every single day. And so I had to actually execute on one of them. And I'm really proud with Parler that actually we, we, we've done it. I mean, we've landed on, we're in over a thousand stores in the UK. We've got tens of thousands of subscribers online. So even if we fail from now, I feel like we've achieved what we set out to do. And I've sort of actually made a difference with this idea where, I mean, the reason we created the brand is that 20 billion toothpaste tubes made of single-use plastic end up in landfill or the ocean every year. That every tube of toothpaste you've ever used still exists somewhere on the planet. That's why we created the brand. So it's a plastic solution and a zero-waste solution as well. So I feel like I've made that positive impact as well as creating what is a really cool brand and also disrupting an industry that is in dire need of disruption. Gotcha. Wow, I didn't know that. Parla, why that name? So Parla means pearl in Swedish. 
And we felt that the pearl was the perfect representation of what we were striving to do as a brand. Obviously, we're designed by a dentist, pearly white smile, and then also the pearl of the ocean. We created the brand really to protect the ocean from single-use plastic. That's my happy place. That's where I derive the most joy is when I'm on the ocean, in the ocean, by the ocean, and to see the the level of devastation of single-use plastic across the world. I mean, anywhere I travel, I see microplastics all over the beach. I just don't want to see that get worse for, for my kids. And so Parlour was, was the, my thing that I could do to actually, to actually make a difference in, in, I mean, it's dentistry small, but toothpaste, everyone in the world uses toothpaste in these single-use plastic tubes. So it is a big way that we can make a difference as dentists. And so, yeah, hopefully that'll be part of my legacy. Yeah, man, that's nice. That's beautiful. And so I kind of want to rewind a little bit. You talked about your, your practice, right? The, um, the one you currently have. 30 staff members? Yeah. You have 30 staff <laughs> And so there's nine operatories, right? Seven. 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 I'm sorry. Seven operatories, 30 staff members. Do you, let me ask you, the positions of all of them, you don't have to explain all their single positions or anything like that, but how does that look? 30 staff members. Structurally, oh, now you're asking me. I mean, I guess we've got about... 10 to 12 clinicians, but obviously part-time. And then around four or five hygienists, about five receptionists, again, part-time, two practice managers and two treatment coordinators. Obviously those things probably don't add up to 30, but you get a rough idea on, on what the split is like. Gotcha. And so you solely run it or are you and, and your wife is like the COO or how, how does that look? My wife's a dentist as well. And, uh, but yeah, she is... She's best, basically the, uh, the COO because obviously with everything else that I'm running, I'm more of the ideas guy, whereas he's more operationally working alongside our practice management team to make sure everything runs, runs smoothly. Okay, that's good. And so you mentioned you grew it, or actually, let me ask you, how many new patients are you getting a month, if you roughly know? Uh, about 50. 50, okay. And so organically, you grew this through social media, right? That people are finding you through social media? Yeah, so I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice setup in the practice where obviously my parents have been there for thirty-five years. They grew it from a one surgery to a five surgery practice, and then we grew it from a five surgery to a seven surgery practice with a an additional scanning room and, and training center as well. And so it has this nice base of a local reputation uh, with a large patient base. But then on top of that, obviously, I brought in the specialists, the technology, the CEREC, the ITRO, the, the focus on cosmetic and implant dentistry. So I've brought in all these additional, additional offerings, which means that we can service all of those existing patients with additional dentistry. But then on top of that, yes, I mean, I've, I mean my following on Instagram is nothing, nothing major. It's only about 27,000. But I've been very successful in certain instances with working with influencers, with them still paying for treatment, but only re- receiving a, a discount in exchange for some activity. And that's led to a lot of organic growth of patient demand. I think also because I was on Instagram dentally very early on, just because photography is a passion of mine anyway, I sort of leveraged on, on most of the alpha of Instagram, if that makes sense. Um, before now, I mean, it's incredibly saturated now. Everyone's doing Invisalign whitening and bonding on Instagram, certainly in the, in the UK, but it still drives patience. And, and still I have patients coming from around the UK, around the world, flying in to, to have the dentistry because they like my specific style of dentistry, which, I, which I, I'm 
was talking about this um, on another podcast recently, I think, about the fact that uh, the thing that I love about social media with dentistry is that actually by the style of dentistry that you do, you attract a certain clientele of, de- of patients. So my style is very much a natural aesthetic. So my patients in general want to have a beautiful white smile, but they don't want anyone to know they've had their teeth done. Whereas there's certain areas of the country and certain dentists who, who carry out more sort of flashy dentistry where there's less texture and more flat incised ledges and less translucency. And they, those patients almost want everyone to know they've had their teeth done, if that makes sense, as sort of like a show. And so I don't really get any of those that same group of patients. I, I only get the patients. They, they always say to me, I've come and see you because I like, I like the style of dentistry you do. I like how natural it looks, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's just a really nice self-selecting vehicle for my patients where, firstly, they already know me from a personality point of view because they've, they've seen my profile online and they've, they've seen me talking to the camera, et cetera. But then secondly, actually, clinically, we're on the same page as well. From that point of view, it's worked quite well for me. So then what can you give us as far as like advice when it comes to, because you've seen that, right? Where people are like, man, Simon, I'm trying to grow my Instagram page and I have like 100 And it's just like, you know, other dentists following me, but I want like my community to follow me, you know, new patients, to get new patients from it. What do you recommend we do from like, if you can give us instructions, how to start from this point and continue to try and grow? Well, whether or not Instagram or TikTok is the right place to do that, I would probably say TikTok now, given how much more reach you can achieve after obviously just saying that I'm not on TikTok. So I mean, that's fairly critical, but <laughs> that, that, is, that, is, that is the truth that TikTok mm-hmm. is the place that you should be playing in right now. I think the key thing with social media in general is you need to be not thinking about what you want. You will want to be thinking about what the viewer wants. And so when you're producing content, think about who you're producing that content for and then create content, content that's going to give them value for the things that they want. So instead of just putting up a before and after, for example, fine, put up a before and after, but then add on to that, right, this is how I did this. These are the steps. This is what's involved. Try and give more behind the scenes, more real stuff, not, not necessarily the reels, even though reels is what you should be doing, but I mean more real content as in more behind the scenes. I think the best way to be successful on social media is to be true to who you are as an individual and just be as honest and real as you can be because I think people fall into the trap with Instagram dentistry where they try to just replicate what they've seen has been successful with other individuals and then all that happens that everyone just starts looking the same and it just gets very very dull and boring I think the more you can be yourself and unique to you and your own values and your own personality the, the more you'll cut through so I think by following those two things of thinking about what value you're providing to the consumer and to the viewer, and also just being true to who you are as an individual, that's the way that really you should be thinking about content. And then you just need to be doing it at scale. I think people are too sort of blasé with, with how, they, how they produce their content. When I was doing it properly, I was having someone in every single month for a whole day to generate that content. And it, it, was, it was a serious operation. And we were looking at what was working, what trends were working, what, what was successful. And then putting our own spin on it and, and as I say, trying to add value to the consumer with, with the way we delivered it. And, and that worked very well for me. And I think if you were to implement that on, I've seen this with lots of young guys in, in the UK, they've, they've been incredibly successful with TikTok. Um, if you can mass produce and bash produce that content, then it can be really efficient and you don't have to think about doing it every single day. You can preload your posts. 
using buffer or later or something like that and just have them running and then you, you can just sort of set it and forget it. I say that, but then you really need to be engaging and communicating with your community if you want to grow it. So you, after it's posted, you probably do need to be on there liking, commenting and communicating. Gotcha. Do you still do that right now? Do you, are you like having somebody once a month come in or? No. Gotcha. Okay. You right I'm, now, you I'm, just I'm, I'm very lazy now. You ain't like, you're doing a lot, man. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I feel like you're doing so much that you can kind of like take pictures, you know what I mean? And then just on your own, share it. Yeah. I mean, I think like, as I say, I, it's probably not the right way to be because I think this is like the classic pathway of like Blockbuster and Kodak where they become very successful and then they die because they haven't adapted with the times. I'm certainly doing that at the moment. But I think at the same time, You've got to just, you've got to look at the realities of your own life. And for me at the moment, the most important thing for me is I've got two young kids and I want to be spending as many hours of the day and the week as I can do with them. And so something has to give and I have to be respectful of my time and, and not push myself because I know, just because I know I can do something doesn't mean that I should do it. For example, I know that I would smash on TikTok if I really went for it properly and started producing content at scale but I also know that's going to take me a day a day a month and I literally don't have a day a month my diary is I have a PA a personal assistant and uh, it's literally blocked out by the minute I mean there's no there's no room anywhere <laughs> and so that doesn't mean that I I neglect my my health or my family or anything like that it just means I've blocked out my gym session every day I've blocked out a therapy session. I've blocked out meditation. I've blocked out family time where I'm not on my phone. But if I'm going to add anything else into that, then something has to come out. And at the moment, there's nothing really to come out to add that into. Man, Simon, you've, you're very aware, right? Like of your time. You're very aware of like you're very specific. Why? How did that come to be? Well, I think it comes back to learning where to say no. And being being respectful of your time and actually knowing what your value, what your life values are. I mean, my as I say, my my main focus is that my family is everything. I will never get this time back when my kids are at this age. And once it's gone, it's gone. And I, I've heard so many successful individuals say that their only regret is that they didn't have enough, they didn't spend enough time with their kids when they were young. So that's my main focus with regards to my personal life. With regards to my professional life, I'm very, very clear now on what my values are with regards to that as well, which is that I only want to be doing stuff that I enjoy and that I feel is meaningful. And I only want to do it with people that I love. And so that's how I make my decisions on on how I move forward is that I I I don't I have to be very, very careful with what I say yes to. And if it doesn't help me with one of those things, if I'm not doing it with the people that I enjoy spending time with, if I don't enjoy it, or if I, it's not allowing me to progress with something that's meaningful in my life, then I'll just say no to that opportunity. So, for example, if a brand that I'm not particularly keen on gets in touch with me and asks me to do uh, an Instagram post and they're going to pay me a thousand pounds, I'm not going to do it because it's going to take time out of my day. I, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill my, my ambitions. Do you know what I mean? Even though it's easy money in, in many ways. That's the thing. Do you think this kind of can apply at any stage in our lives? Or you know how like at the beginning you said when we're grinding and we're, we're, we're trying to say yes to a lot of things, do you think it can't apply there? Because if you say no to 
you know what I mean? Like what I don't want to do, then you're, you're not growing kind of thing. Or, or what are your thoughts? I think it's got to be personal to you. I think you've got to, you've got to, I think awareness and self-objectivity is the really important thing. And you've got to, you've got to know what your diary looks like and then tailor your attitudes to where you're at in your career. For sure, you want to push yourself outside of your comfort zone as much as possible. And I still do that now because I know that that's where the growth, that's where the growth area is. I mean, God, I've learned so much in the last four years on, on through running parlor on that, talking with retailers and margins and marketing and to LTV ratios for my performance ads. I mean, there's just, there's so much stuff that I've learned in the last four years that is way outside of my comfort zone. I just think on, I might be like pitching to five dragons on, on live T oh, well, on, on, on live recorded TVs, two and a half hours. I mean, that's pretty far outside my comfort zone. I've learned an incredible amount from that. It's, it's created incredible opportunities. So I'm definitely not saying that you shouldn't say yes to as much as possible when you're in your early stages. But I think it's just when you have lots of time pressures and lots of opportunities, you have to learn when to start tapering that in because there's only 24 hours of the day and seven days in the week. And so you can only do so much, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense, ton of sense. Okay, so one of the last questions I kind of wanted to ask you, one of them, right, is throughout this time, your wife is a dentist, right? She's also operations, like the whole, she, I mean, she does all right, a lot, right? When it comes to running the practice, family, everything. Yeah. You, same thing, doing a lot, visionary. When it comes to your personal life, I don't know, do you guys ever agree like, all right, at this time, we're not going to talk about anything work-wise, none of that stuff? Or is it more like, yeah, you know what, let's, whatever. If it comes up, it comes up. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Or is it like, don't ever stop enough kind of thing with each other? You might get a different answer here from me and from Megan, but <laughs> no, I think, I think one, well, one time that we're very, very careful with is, is the time just before we go to bed. So we always make sure that we're not like dropping like, oh, this, this hygienist just handed in her notice, like just before we go to bed or something. Or like, like not because sleep is so important to us, to us both. And we try and uh, sort of slow down the brain in that free, in that free bedtime. So it's like that, that section is, is certainly sort of demarcated as, as not being appropriate for dental chat. But in general, I think that Megs and I are both very honest, open people. And if we're worrying about something, then we will just talk about it. I mean, I very much wear my heart on my sleeves. If there's something wrong with me, then everyone around me, unfortunately, will know about it. And if I'm happy about something, everyone will know about it. And so... I think we have a very open and honest relationship where we're, we're comfortable talking about whatever. I don't think either of us gets, it's not been necessary to have that conversation to say, these are the times when we talk about this, these are the times when we don't, because firstly, that's not the reality of owning a, a small business. Things come up normally when you're on holiday um, and you have to deal with them sometimes. So that is just the reality of running your own business. That's, that's what you sign up for. But also we enjoy it and it's, it's, it's part of, it's, it's part of the fabric of our relationship. I mean, it's certainly not the majority of our relationship, with, but uh, we've been together now for, for 13, 14 years. And it, it's always been, obviously, we, we grad, we, I met her on the first day of university. We graduated together. Dentistry has always been a part of our relationship. And so, uh, and now businesses as well. And it, it's just, it's nice to learn new things together and to grow together. So I, we look at it very much as a positive. 
Nice. You met her on the first day of university? Yeah. You're like, this is, you're it. You're the one that, that that's how it went. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that's, she was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you too, yeah. <laughs> so, that's good, man. That, that makes me happy, Simon. And then last question is, throughout this process, let's talk about from the moment, I guess, you decided to open, not open this practice, but like take over your parents to like today, right? What's been some of your biggest struggles, fails, or pitfalls? I mean, the biggest struggle was the pandemic, to be honest with you. Certainly that day, what I had to call my team and tell them what we were closing. I mean, that was a, that was a very emotional day. And uh, yeah, a lot of tears, a lot of anxiety around when we were going to open again. We had terrible information from our governing bodies, very poorly disseminated. I mean, we found out we were going back to work on the BBC with, with everyone else. And they said, dentists will be open or healthcare providers will be open in a week. We're like, is that us? Are we, are we, are we back in action here? <laughs> like we had no, no protocol. Like it was just, it was awful. It was a constant battlefield, but I'm a very emotional person. So I, I, I feel the, the ups and the downs very viscerally, but I am a huge advocate that the hard times are what you need to go through to get to, to get to successful parts of your life. And yeah, I think certainly, I mean, whenever something bad happens in any of our businesses, we're always just like, we're just going to we'll put it in the book. We'll put it in the book one day when we write a book of our, of our story. And so I think that's a good way to look at it is that nobody who's ever run a business or ever run their own business has ever succeeded their way to success. They've always failed their way to success. And that is just what happens. You've got to, you've got to build that resilience and you've got to just understand that your favorite associate is going to hand in their notice or that patient who you've tried your best for is going to complain and, and sue you or whatever. These things are just the reality of life. Life is not fair. Life is not just, but you have to build that resilience and, and sort of push through. I, I read a lot of Stoic philosophy. So I really, I don't know if you're familiar with the Daily Stoic book um, from Ryan Holiday, but I read that every morning uh, as part of my morning routine. First thing. Yeah, I love Stoic philosophy for looking, for looking at uh, a lens through which to look at the hard times in life because we're all going to have them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you got to build that resilience, like you said. When it comes to reading, I guess, is that the one that you're on right now? Like as far as, or is that what you do in the morning for like, and then you read other things? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I only read, the, the idea with that book is that you just read one quote and you sort of let, let that sink in and, and process it as opposed to sort of rattling through so I've been reading that for, I think, three years every day. So I read one quote every morning. It's literally the first thing I do. And I even travel with it. It goes everywhere with me. So yeah, so that, that I wouldn't really class as reading. The book I'm reading right now is called How to Invest by, I think his name's Daniel Rubenstein, which, yeah, it's quite interesting. I'm quite interested in sort of angel investing and that sort of thing is potentially part of my my ongoing career, obviously with my sort of deeper understanding of building a startup now and looking for ways to sort of diversify my, my portfolio moving forward. That's quite a, an interesting area for me. So yeah, that's a book that, that I'm reading currently. And then the book that I always recommend to everyone, I just think is so good, is uh, The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. It's just an amazing book. It's just such a well-rounded view on life. I think everyone should read it. It's, it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That, that, I just read finished it uh i want to say december really good book yeah i read it but, yes yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's the only book that I, apart from Daily Stoic, that I've read more than one. I just wanted to get that knowledge again. <laughs> yeah. When you reread it, like, for example, the, the Daily Stoic, do you feel like, where was this? I didn't see this yeah. last year. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you're, you're, you're not in 100% concentration mode reading, reading the book the whole way through, right? Like, you're floating in and out, and you'll pick up different bits. But at the same time, sometimes we just need reminding. Like, especially with the Daily Stoic, it's so easy to let whatever the current storm is to distract you. But uh, I think it's good to go back to those sort of classic philosophies. Yeah. Nice, man. You need to start a book club and we'll join and you know, <laughs> kind of get your suggestions. But awesome, Simon. I truly appreciate you coming on. If anybody has any questions or concerns or they just want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Um, so Instagram is probably the best place. My Instagram handle is at Dr. Simon Chard. And then, yeah, that's probably it, really. Just, just send me a DM on Instagram and then, Normally on there, uh, a little bit too much. Awesome, awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. And Simon, thank you for being with us. It was a pleasure. We'll hear from you soon. Cheers, up. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. And Simon, man, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We truly appreciate it. We're so happy for everything, all the success that's happening, but everything that you've been going through, man. We, we really appreciate uh, your guidance, uh, your advice, and at the same time, your story. So guys, if you want to reach out to Simon, feel free to go in the show notes below and reach out to him there, or you can join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group and you can talk to any of the guests that you've listened to in the podcast in the past on there. Just It's going to be in the show notes below. It's a free Facebook group, the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. And at the same time, guys, if you want more strategies, tips, especially on ground marketing or marketing, but at the same time advice, then you can feel free to join our free newsletter it's a three two one newsletter we give you three podcast episodes two articles to read the whole point of that newsletter is for you to grow for you to scale and then one quote from a specific book that we feel like can get your or i feel like can get your week um started off right but speaking of quotes this book that i'm going to be mentioning right now i want to mention two quotes and it's called unreasonable hospitality by will guidara fantastic book and one of the quotes is, if you can't find more compliments to give your team, that's a failure in leadership. Either you're not coaching them sufficiently or you tried and it's not working, which means they shouldn't be on the team. I thought that was fantastic. And another one was praise with emotion, criticize without emotion. And he says this because if you correct an employee in public, they will never forgive you for it. They may say it but they'll never forgive you for it. So I'm going to put a link to that book in the show notes below, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you in the next episode.